0: This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer.
1: Don't you think if you found out you had a secret kid, you would want me to know?
0: Oh, would you want to know?
1: Hello and welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo.
0: We're comedians
1: and a couple.
0: And I've never seen Gilmore Girls. One of Stacey's favorite shows.
1: And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer. One of Brian's favorite shows.
0: So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go.
1: And this week we watch season six, episode eleven of both shows, starting with Gilmore Girls: The Perfect Dress,
0: as well as Buffy the Vampire Slayer: Gone.
1: I don't know which one's better yet. Once again.
0: Yeah, it's hard to tell. I mean, both episodes are about a woman finding the perfect thing to wear. Um, yeah. Also, I, uh, I'm a little sick, if you can't tell.
1: Yeah, I maybe gave it to you.
0: Stacey keeps bringing these diseases into this house.
1: I don't think that you got my last sickness that I got from Maine.
0: Yeah, if I did, I was un- didn't get any symptoms.
1: But, um, I did give you this one, I think. But it's little. It was a very little sickness. You'll be fine.
0: Oof. Well, maybe it's big for me. Because <laughs> I've got the Y chromosome.
1: Yeah, he's got the white chromosome.
0: <laughs> but for real, I'm sick and I should be pampered and taken care of. Hashtag
1: man, man sick.
0: Are you gonna say it that like <laughs> <laughs> defeatedly?
1: Hashtag man sick. Man cold. Happy Thanksgiving to all of our American turkeys.
0: Wait, we're we're saying happy Thanksgiving to the turkeys?
1: Um well I was just kinda calling our just our audience up, turkeys.
0: <laughs> Whoa.
1: Sorry. No, it's Thanksgiving, the week this comes out in America.
0: Yeah, I hope you guys are having a good one.
1: Not everyone's from here, but if you are, happy
0: Thanksgiving. I assume other countries know about Thanksgiving.
1: Probably just because our TV shows probably all talk about it. They definitely know about it. I don't know if they like have it on their calendar when it is.
0: They're probably like, uh, we read about it and we don't really understand how you're the heroes in this.
1: (laughs) Yeah, if you're not from America, let us know how you feel about American Thanksgiving. We'll probably make meatballs.
0: Yeah, we do make meatballs. That is not a normal thing, though, FYI. No, we just are
1: two people that don't want to make a whole turkey for ourselves. Although maybe we'll go somewhere. Sometimes there's Friendsgivings. Yeah. In other news, we recently made a Gilmore Girls music video. A musical artist who performs under the name The Other Realm reached out to me, letting me know he had a Gilmore Girls song that he had written and wondered if we would share it with our fans. The song is called Getaway, parentheses, Stars Hollow. And I listened to it and it's great. And I was like, can we please make you a music video for it? So we went to a small-ish town in New Jersey that has some Stars Hollow-esque features and we filmed a little music video. I'd love for you guys to see it. It's linked in the episode description. And be sure to check out The Other Realm. I've also linked his social media. He's got a lot of great songs. He's also a fan of Buffy. He hasn't done a full Buffy song, but he's got a song that mentions Buffy. He actually recreated the Going Through the Motions music video with him singing. It's great. Uh, the song's super catchy, so find the song on social media and make your own reels and TikToks using it. Let's get his song shared with the world because it's great. But yeah, check out the music video. Share it with all your Goodmore girlfriends. Also, if you missed my show, if you're listening to this the day it comes out, you still have like a day and a half to watch it. It's still available in video on demand form through the end of November 23rd, Eastern Time. So check it out. I'll put the link to that in the episode description as well.
0: Something I want to talk about is a Wink Wine. Do you? Yeah. Love it.
1: It is good. You know? Yeah. I think it's really elevated our palates, honestly. Yeah. Like we're out right now. We're waiting on a shipment.
0: Yeah. And we've got the shakes and stuff. It's I, I don't know. It's... <laughs>
1: We kind like of wanted some to watch shows recently. We were like, I don't want to go to the liquor store.
0: I buy some like cheap sugar water.
1: That when we go to the liquor store, we aren't spending a ton Yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, But Wink.com, we haven't talked about it in a while. If you don't remember, it is a wine subscription service. But there's no monthly commitment. You're a member. They'll send you wine every month. But you can go in and be like, you know what? I'm not drinking this month. Or I don't have a lot of extra cash this month.
0: Where are you going in?
1: To the website. Okay. You can skip as many months as you want. If you never want to get it, you can never get it. And then when you're having your big September party, you can order like 12 boxes. It's great.
0: Yeah, you can just go in.
1: Just go in. But also what's great about it is if you don't know what kind of wine you like, they're there to help. When you sign up, you take a little quiz, ask you what kind of food and drinks you like, and then it recommends wines to you based on what it thinks about your palate. Or you can select bottles that sound good to you, which is what I do a lot of the time because we've tried most of them at this
0: point. And we found a lot of good wines for real with Wink. I'm very happy.
1: Yes. The deal for signing up is you get your first four bottles for twenty nine ninety five plus free shipping. So even if you just sign up and then skip every month for the rest of your life, that's a, a great deal for four bottles of wine. I would recommend yeah. just grabbing those four bottles and then seeing how you feel about getting more in the future.
0: Don't even have to go in.
1: You don't even have to go in. <laughs> but we barely skip any months. We enjoy the wine. And you can get this deal by clicking on the link in our episode description. There's also a link in our social media bio. And please be sure to use promo code GilmoreSlayer when you check out so they know who sent you.
0: We've got one new five-star review.
1: We do. Thank you so much. To Zoe5772.
0: Yeah. Should we start talking about shows?
1: Let's start talking about shows. This week we started with Gilmore Girls. Brian, tell us all about The Perfect Dress.
0: So this episode is just about Lorelai realizing that she's predestined to marry Luke and everything's gonna be great
1: yeah that's some of what happens
0: that's pretty much what happens also Rory has a place to live
1: she's living somewhere that's true
0: yeah so this episode starts at Luke's uh there's a quick fun scene where Kirk just goes behind the counter and pours himself some coffee and Luke's just like wait what are you doing (laughs) and Kirk's like yeah I see Lorelai do it all the time he's like yeah Lorelai's my fiance he's like oh so someone's gotta sleep with you and but then it's funny because then Kirk's like I just I don't know you that well Luke (laughs) like he might be willing to do it yeah just a quick Kirk. It's good to see him because he's been sort of regulated to the sidelines, I feel like. And you haven't had like a solid Kirk story in a while. It was funny, though. It was funny, yeah. Then the Gilmore Girls returned from Atlantic City, where they finally belatedly celebrated the much-talked-about Rory's 21st birthday. Previous episodes, they had talked about how it was always their plan to go play Jack...
1: Jackbox games.
0: Jackbox games. They were going to go in and play Jackbox games. <laughs> They'd always said that they wanted to be playing Blackjack at midnight when Rory turned 21. So they kind of uh, did that anyway, even though she's technically over 21. They pretended. And they did all the things that they were going to do. They spent their money on 21 things. And there was a running joke that they were going to do something unsavory or inappropriate now that in relationships with 21 men. And they still kind of did that. They got 21 men's phone numbers, which I thought was a fun way of paying that off. Because it's yeah. like, yeah, we did this thing, but it's innocent. Uh, phone number isn't cheating.
1: It does seem like Lorelai maybe called one of them. Though. <laughs> a bunch of them. Yeah, maybe because she says, like, sorry for all the drunken phone calls, Luke. And he's like, what drunken phone calls?
0: Yeah, I couldn't tell if that was her joking or if she actually called. Him I mean, she shows it to Luke immediately, too. So it's all fun. Also, Roy and Lorelai tell Luke that they found his Atlantic City doppelganger, Derek McKinney. Someone that looks just like him. Someone they followed down the street. And they found out he's a Dolly Parton impersonating drag queen. Luke sees the picture and is not excited about this. But I have to say, given how toxic Luke is about his own masculinity... He takes it pretty well. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, what? All right, whatever. Like, all right, cool. Rory is headed back to school. She's going to be living with Paris. She also has to see a school psychologist. That's just part of returning to Yale. More on that later.
1: Because she dropped out suddenly. That's why. Not just because of
0: going to Yale. (laughs) Why would you want to go here? Well, she is packing up to go back to Yale, and she and her mom are saying goodbye in the driveway. They can't find Paul Inca, so Lorelai brags that he loves her more, only to find him waiting in the car for Rory. That was kind of funny. Rory rubs it in her mom's face that Inca likes her more, and it's because of the sugar on the toes thing <laughs> she I guess. did. It's a nice callback, though.
1: He defies physics when it comes to cars.
0: Yeah. Again, he may not be real. Yep.
1: Yeah, but Rory sees him now, too.
0: L- Rory also plays along with her mom, so... <laughs> yeah. It'd be funny to find out at the end of the show that, like, Lorelai's just insane, and like, Kirk never existed, and is like, just all in her head.
1: Well, where drives away, the dog follows her, too, who he runs behind the car. Which, maybe, only Lorelai sees.
0: Right, right. Lorelai and Suki are planning their wedding. Not their wedding. They're not getting <laughs> Subplot. Twist. Lorelai and Suki are planning Lorelai's wedding, you know, to hide their own. <laughs> They're doing this at Luke's, who is a little annoyed that they're taking up a table all day. But he is more concerned that Lorelai might not wear white at his wedding. He's like, you got it. It It's tradition. Again, he's got his specific values.
1: His sister didn't. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know what we're defining as white. Because later when she tells him what she is wearing, she says it's cream, which is white enough for
0: him. This is somewhat white. Is he going to be wearing tights? That's all I want to know, is if Luke's going to be wearing tights at his wedding.
1: I'm pretty sure in, like, wedding tradition, it's a crime to not wear pure white or you're not a virgin.
0: Yeah. Sugi is, she's being the best friend of the bride. She keeps rubbing that in Luke's face. Like, she has the power to do anything because she's best friend of the bride. It's kind of funny. But they're trying to figure out a way to get everyone to the wedding because people have conflicts, find a date that works. And they're mentioning Lulu is going to be difficult to work around her schedule. And, like, Luke is like, who's Lulu?
1: There's a whole episode.
0: Yeah. The show is not great about who has met Luke and who has not, or Luke has like face blindness or something.
1: I think we're supposed to believe that Luke just doesn't
0: really remember. But like he's met Lulu multiple times and like helped Luke date her, and like there's no way he doesn't know who Lulu is.
1: He helped Kirk date her. Who did I say? Luke.
0: <laughs> Luke doesn't even remember her. That's. Just...
1: He also helped her with that school play. Like he definitely knows her. I don't. I don't think the show is going to have us believe he hasn't met her. I think. I think he just like. Doesn't think about her ever. He says it's not her last name.
0: I, I understand what you're saying that it, the show isn't saying he's never met her, but like I just don't believe he wouldn't know her name.
1: It seemed like they needed to pick a person that would probably be at the wedding that Luke doesn't know all that well, and that was the best they could come up with out of the people we also know.
0: Sure, is Jason going to be at the wedding? Let's. I'm just kidding. There's not going to be a wedding. There's no way. There's no way the show would give us. What we all need and want Amy.
1: You hate going to weddings.
0: Yeah, I would go to. Luke and Lorelai's wedding. I'd be front row cheering him on.
1: Which is not how weddings work.
0: Yeah, I'm confused. I'm always upset. And, like, people yell at me for, like, painting my face and stuff. It's whatever.
1: What? Why are you painting your face?
0: Like a sports event. Not oh. like a weird cancelable thing. Don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just go to every wedding and just try to ruin them.
1: Did you see that guy in the front row? What is that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> that way I stop getting invited to these things. Anyway. So Paris is showing Rory her new digs, and her apartment is, uh, how would I describe this, like incredibly dangerous and scary, like Red Flag Central. Like the door has like five or six locks on. They have to be unlocked in a specific order, and then you have to like kick the door like a code. There's people downstairs that are clearly selling drugs and are super dangerous. And Paris just says, like, you can just tell people they're doo groups. You know, if you leave them alone, they'll leave you alone. Like, that's terrifying to hear. I just want to see these guys downstairs.
1: Do you think kicking the door is to, like, let the people inside know that it's you? Or is it to, like, actually do something to unlock it?
0: It's hard to tell. I, I It must be to let people know. I don't Cause know. Because you
1: have to kick it twice.
0: Yeah. But then Paris just keeps downplaying how bad it is. And she's like, it's fine. And you might hear gunshots, but sometimes it's not gunshots. And by the way, when we're not home, play Rush Limbaugh so that no more conservative have guns and play this tape recording of a dog barking. (laughs) It's pretty funny. It's all pretty funny. And then also she gets interrupted when uh, Doyle just like bursts through the bedroom door and just like attacks Paris. They're doing this Krav Maga thing where they're both training because they live in a terrible, dangerous neighborhood. And they're both, like, fighting each other randomly to just, like, get good at defending themselves. All of this is great. I legitimately love this subplot. I think it's super, super, super funny.
1: Yeah. You liked that they were actually, like, going at it fighting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For one, he attacks her, and because Doyle is so small, so short, it doesn't come across as, like, weird that this dude is just, like, randomly attacking this woman, because he's like, well, she can she can definitely take him. <laughs> also, their dialogue makes it clear that this is a consensual thing they've both decided they want to do. But the fighting itself is really funny. Like, she starts getting the best of him, and he starts yelling Steinbeck, which is not his safe word, but he's trying to get her to think it is, to let her guard down. And she's like, I know that's not your safe word. And she's like, you've been practicing behind my back. I love you. <laughs> They're, like, fighting each other while they're in love. It was great. I loved it. This made me just love them as a couple so much more. It was very cute.
1: I love them. I think yeah. they are great.
0: I just love how they so excitedly put on their crab like, gear so they could fight each other.
1: Also kind of this idea, like, they've been living alone together for a while and they've just sort of, like, developed this weird world. Yeah. I feel like I, I had that feeling when, when COVID started and people were, like, in their own little bubbles. Like, when we come out of this, we're probably going to be, like different because <laughs> we've just like been with one person for a few months and nobody else you know like you start to develop your own culture yeah i don't know if that actually happened but i remember people talking about that like that was going to be a thing
0: put up your deuce
1: ah what are you doing
0: i'm here to fight
1: get out of my podcast room
0: sure yeah <laughs> 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 I'm sick. And we're in different rooms. Uh,
1: I had to get up to fix the podcast towel.
0: <laughs> it sounds dirty.
1: You don't need to know what it's for, but it's integral. <laughs> also, when Rory called Paris in the last episode, being like, I don't need a place to stay, Paris yeah. was like, it's going to be hard to find a place. I mean, we got this whole empty room still, but not going to mention that on this phone call. Yeah. I mean, maybe she thought Rory wouldn't want to live there. Although she asked Rory to live there when they first got the place.
0: Right. Whatever. Maybe she had to check with the duo group. Perhaps. Sugi and Lorelai are doing best friend of the bride and bride-to-be things. They're looking for a specific, like, bridal shop. They can't find it. And they accidentally stumble into a dress shop where they go in just to kind of look around. And then Lorelai immediately, like within a few seconds, spots the perfect dress right there in the center of the store on a mannequin. Not only is it the perfect dress, it's her size, it's beautiful, and it is on sale. They just start
1: taking it off the mannequin.
0: They do. But to be fair, they they look around for someone that works there.
1: Yeah, I know. I just can't imagine taking something off of a mannequin, especially a wedding dress.
0: It's pretty funny. She's taking it off. And then she like says to the mannequin, like, don't get the wrong idea. I'm not looking for anything serious. Lorelai's funny. Lorelai shows up at Luke's and tells him that she's done with all the wedding planning. She figured it all out. She found the perfect wedding dress, and then everything else just, like, sort of magically fell into place. Like, she found a church and stumbled across a pastor and a catering service and perfect invitation. She even found a perfect suit for Luke, and lo and behold, there was a special, so all his alterations are free. It's like the universe is telling her that this is meant to be. And then as soon as she says that, it starts, like, snowing, which is her, like, go-to signal from the universe. So she's just like, this is meant to be. This is all a sign. And they're going to get married in June 3rd, which is not that far away.
1: Fun fact, June 3rd was Rory's court date. So,
0: Oh, so maybe Rory won't show. Get her mom back. And Luke is just like, cool, awesome. He's like very supportive and happy about all this.
1: I don't know. He's, when she leaves, he doesn't seem so sure.
0: Really? I feel like he was really supportive. It's funny, though, because he doesn't believe in like... Snow. I mean... <laughs> He doesn't believe in signs or the supernatural or anything, so he did, he does say like, okay, there's no such thing as science. But like, he doesn't like argue with her. It's just like, okay, if that's how it feels to you, I hear what you're saying. When she leaves, I don't think it was like a, oh no, I don't want to get married. It was like, uh, I have gotta really tell my fiance about my secret daughter or something. Yeah,
1: point. yeah, yeah. That's what he was thinking. But yeah, you can just tell he's like, oh, I got this secret though. When's that gonna come out?
0: Probably during sweeps week. That's my Luke. <laughs> It's like pretty Luke. Yeah, I'm Luke.
1: I don't know when sweeps week is. Uh,
0: well, at the Geller household, it's all the time. Sweeping them legs. Uh, okay, so then we get to find out what Lane's up to. She she arrives home at Mrs. Kim's. Apparently she's living there. She and Zach broke up off screen. We didn't see that, but it was pretty clear that was going to happen. In the last episode, Zach had like a crazy, stupid diva moment on stage and like ruined their performance in front of a a record label, and she like called him out on that, and he's all like, well, maybe this is why people shouldn't date in group bands, and she's like, maybe you're right, and apparently they broke up right after that. Lane comes home from work, and she's in a real bad mood. Her mom tries to talk to her about her day and like offer her food, but Lane just like bites her head off hard. She's like, obviously got some misplaced anger. She's just like, her mom is being super nice when she comes home, and she's just like, ah, I'm gonna go upstairs take a shower, and I'm gonna listen to music you don't like, so deal with it, and also, I can't eat right now, so I'll eat when I'm done. Kim's like, okay, that's fine. It'll take a while to make the dumplings. Kimchi dumplings, by the way, kind of sound good. I'd like to try one of those. The next day, Lane is helping sell some antiques, and she is taking her misplaced anger out on a customer this time. It's pretty funny. She succeeds at guilt-tripping some poor old lady into overpaying for a chair and making her carry it out herself.
1: She looks like Nancy Pelosi.
0: It was Nancy Pelosi. Did you know that? didn't. Yeah, because I made it up. But she had the same vibe. The same vibe. She just looked like her. Mrs. Kim, who herself always drives a hard bargain, she even thinks that Lane was being, like, a little much.
1: She's like, you forgot to kick her in the pants on the way (laughs) out.
0: Yeah. She's like, you know, if you're a little nicer, they might come back. Lane does not give a shit. She's like, whatever, Mom. And then Zach shows up. He's got some bullshit excuse about needing to get his favorite CD from Lane's room. She's like, what CD? He's like, You're the one with the crazy-looking chick on the front. Like, oh, it's your favorite CD, and you don't know the title of it? You just know there's a crazy-looking chick on the front? She's like, whatever, dude, and kicks him out. Miss Kim sees all this. That night, they're, like, closing up, and Lane angrily says goodnight to her mom and starts heading upstairs. And then Mrs. Kim, like, collects herself and then yells, Lane Kim, get down here! And Lane just, like, instinct takes over, and she just marches downstairs again. And Mrs. Kim like tells her to follow her and she just starts closing all the blinds in the house and then like rolls like a giant armoire in front. Is it an armoire? What is that fucking the cabinet?
1: Yeah, I think it could be an armoire.
0: She like rolls a giant cabinet in front of a window. You know, we can't let the neighbor see what she's about to do. And then she like goes into the back of her top cup cupboard and, like, behind some stuff under, like, a tea cozy, sure enough, is, like, some booze. I would guess it was, like, sake or something. I have no idea, I guess, but it wasn't clear what it was. It was clear. Right, yes.
1: What is a tea cozy?
0: You don't know what a tea cozy is? Does that mean you don't know what a tea cozy pig is?
1: Did you mean a teacup pig?
0: All right, we got to Google tea cozy right now.
1: I just did. It looks like a sweater for a teapot. Yeah. Okay. Thought it was up there?
0: I thought it was. Maybe I'm wrong. I thought it was a tea cozy.
1: I guess I didn't see what it was behind.
0: Yeah, when you Google it, it definitely looks like a sweater or like a little hat. So she pours herself and Lane a shot, which is like kind of shocking a little bit because obviously she thinks it's super scandalous that she's having any alcohol in her own home with her adult daughter. Like, oh no, God forbid the neighbors see that. Or God.
1: But she still has booze, which is a little surprising.
0: Yes, all of this is surprising. But she pours herself and Lane a shot and then she says, it's been six weeks since you came home. You've grieved, and now we move on. Then they take a shot, and she pours them another one. This scene is really cool. I love this scene. I I really, really like this scene so much. Like, I like Lena and her mom bonding. It's, like, one of my favorite things in the show because they don't get along, but, like, they love each other, and they're very different. They're kind of the opposite of Lorelai and Rory, right? Like, they are two peas in a pod, exactly. They're pretty much—the Venn diagram of things they like is almost exactly the same except for Jess. yeah. I just love them bonding and this was like just a really sweet moment of her mother like actually understanding what Lane's going through. If Mrs. Kim was written differently, she would have been like kind of rubbing this in her daughter's face, like, see, this is what you get right for like dating this bad boy and like not, you know, letting me set you up with the perfect Korean kid. But she doesn't do that. I mean, she kind of chided Lane for her behavior, but she's not like you're a bad daughter. She's essentially telling her daughter, like, I get why you're upset, but we gotta move on. Love this scene. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Mrs. Kim and Lane's scenes are fantastic.
1: Yeah, it's so funny that she was like the voice of reason here. Yeah, but, like Lane was being too intense. Do you think Mrs. Kim is just like always heartbroken about a boy, and that's why she's so intense?
0: I mean, I Mr. Kim apparently exists, but
1: yeah, she never
0: sees him. Maybe that's why she's always drinking.
1: She's not always drinking.
0: Yeah, I realized after I said that I meant it has secret book. She can't move the armoire without an assistant. Do you think she called Mr. Kim down just to help her move that, and then sends it back upstairs?
1: Yeah, <laughs> I need to drink. Come down.
0: Go back. I'm not telling you where the tea cozy is.
1: Or what it is.
0: (laughs) Now, Rory has her work cut out for her at Yale. She's got to catch up for all of her time off. She's trying to get into some teacher's class. She's like, track this teacher down. She's not sure if there's enough spots left. She's like, please let me into your class. I've had to do something like this once where I wanted to study abroad the next semester. I had to take these three classes, but you needed to take one class to take the other two. So essentially I had to convince two teachers to allow me into their class and skip a prerequisite class so that I could study abroad the next semester. And it was terrifying. I was able to do it, but. Nice. Yeah. So she's trying to convince this teacher. The teacher seems to be on her side. She's like, can't promise you anything, but you know, I hope you can make it in my class. But then Rory rounds a corner to find Logan waiting for her at the coffee cart. He's like, I knew you had to get coffee at some point. And she just turns around and leaves him there. The next day at the paper, we see that Paris's uh, managing style is just as bad as I had envisioned. She's like very dictator-ish. She ends her like power speech to them saying, Y'all have five minutes to enjoy your cookies. Welcome to the paper. <laughs> Rory tries to tell Paris, that you know, m- maybe she should run the paper with like a slightly lighter touch. But Paris is like, the best art is made under oppression. I want these people to make the best art. I kind of like the justification they're giving Paris here. It would be so easy for Paris to be like, I'm the best and these people suck and they needed to learn that I'm in charge, which is like the basic way to write this.
1: Oh yeah, you were trying to explain this to me last night when you were brushing your teeth.
0: But I actually think it's kind of cool that they gave Paris like an intelligent, it's not necessarily right, But, like, they gave her, like, an actual reason that she's doing this. She knows she's being oppressive, but she thinks that's going to generate the best material from people because they're oppressed. And I'm like, that's such a weird, big-brain way to explain this behavior.
1: Yeah. Oppression also makes people
0: strike. No, I'm not saying she's right. I'm just like, oh, okay, your character actually has a motivation that they believe. Sure, sure, sure. It's not just a, I like power. It's, like, a nice way of giving Paris this without her really being, like, a total villain. Because her desire, the means are awful, but her ends are, like, she she has good ends in mind. Yeah, she does. Doyle's. <laughs> Doyle's end. This is she going to kick him? Again, not justifying her or saying she's right. I just like that they gave her an actual justification for what she's doing. Yeah. Because she is running this with, like, an iron fist. Then Logan shows up, and she's like, oh, yeah, he's going to be working at the paper, which, of course, is making Rory not super happy. Paris calls him into her office where she gives him a lecture about how she isn't afraid of her father and she's going to make sure he's working hard.
1: She's not afraid of his father.
0: Yes. I don't know if she's afraid of her own father. But while she's lecturing him, he sort of just like peers out at Rory. It's like, oh, this sucks for Rory. She can't even go to the paper. Luckily, talking at the paper is probably forbidden. So
1: She's like gone, though, by the time he looks out.
0: Yeah. Rory then shows her mom her new apartment, and Rory is, like, really playing down the dangerous aspects of the apartment, just like Paris did. She even calls the neighbors downstairs a do-up group, just like Paris suggested. And as soon as Lorelai gets inside the apartment, she just starts saying, like, no to everything. She, like, sees the kitchen, no, the bedroom, no, the bedroom, <laughs> no. And then finally they leave after they see Paris and Doyle bursting into the room and beating each other up with a Krav Maga foreplay that they do.
1: Well, Lorelai opens the door to their bedroom, which is kind of intense, actually. Yeah. And they're going to town on each other in, like, full gear.
0: Which is, to one hand, like, it is weird that you're opening the roommate's bedroom.
1: Especially, like, she should be able to hear them, that they are making some kind of loud sounds. Maybe don't open the door.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess if you're, like, you're in a dangerous neighborhood and it definitely sounds like someone's getting their ass handed to them in that room, maybe I should check. Sure, sure. But (laughs) she's just like, no, no, no. And then they they leave. They go to lunch, and Lori explains that she should be living like this.
1: Who's Lori? Uh,
0: Laura Laughlin. She was there. Uh, she's upset that her biggest fan died last season.
1: Oh, right.
0: Over lunch, Rory explains that she should be living like this. It's part of the college experience to, like, live poorly in, like, a shitty apartment. And she was just living in luxury, which is not part of the experience. This is a good a good change for her.
1: Lorelai's like, have dad pay for an apartment? I'm like, Yeah. Do that. That's like part of Yale. It's not even like you're asking him for a whole other thing if you're worried about that.
0: Yeah. And the dad's, I mean, what's what's he going to ask you to hang out with him one more time or something? Like, come on.
1: You don't hate hanging out with him. Yeah. I don't even think he would make you hang out with him. He'd be super happy to pay for an apartment for you.
0: Oh, Yeah. Lorelei, meanwhile, is getting pretty neurotic about how wonderful and easy her wedding planning is going. She's like, maybe this is actually a sign that I shouldn't get married. Because her standard operating procedure is to freak out and ruin everything before her wedding. And she's not doing that with Luke. So there actually must be like a reverse sign that she should leave Luke. Rory tells her that is not the case. And she should calm down. Everything's gonna be great. Luke, this is great. It calms her down.
1: And then Rory's like, tell me about my bridesmaid's dress. And what Lorelai describes is like basically the Donna Reed dress. It's like a oh. tangerine hoop skirt with ruffles. I mean, I know it's not the real dress. She's playing with Rory. But I was like, she's worn that dress before.
0: It's funny. And then Dean pops up. Well, can you just describe it to me slow?
1: Describe the dress again, and Rory, Lorelai, either. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just, I want one of you. Or both. By the way, I'm married again, but no big deal. It's not a big deal. When Rory gets home, though, Logan is waiting by her padlock door, and he's got cold coffee. And I mention that because I think it's supposed to imply he's been there for quite a while. Yeah. He makes some jokes about the downstairs neighbors selling drugs and then tells Rory that she just can't live here. It's too dangerous.
1: I love the running jokes about the drug dealers. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And he's like, how much can we cut the drugs with? Rory isn't having any of this. She's like, you don't get to care about how I'm living because you're not my boyfriend anymore. They're broken up. Does he not remember Logan says that was just something he told Honor because she kept badgering him about Rory and he was just trying to get some space and get her to stop. So he said they were broken up. But then he sort of like backtracks on this because then he says that, okay, he did think they were broken up because he thought it was just a silly experiment. He's going to go back to being a womanizing playboy, but then realized that he couldn't get over Rory and does want to be back with her. Then he says, Rory, I love you. But Rory's in a hurry. She's like, I got to go. I don't have time for this. She's got to go to her therapist. Terrible timing.
1: What's a terrible time? What do you
0: mean? Well, because he just dropped a bunch of emotional baggage in her lap, and she's got to carry that to the therapist. Oh, it was
1: a terrible time for him to drop this, I see.
0: Yeah. it's just a terrible time. It was was the best of times. It was the worst of times. I was like, did Logan Uh, have a terrible
1: time? Who had a terrible time?
0: I mean, he did. He didn't get any drugs. (laughs) Cold coffee.
1: He left a really bad review. Coffee was cold. The drugs were... Warm. (laughs) Two
0: stars. (laughs) If the drugs are warm, that's a little scarier than if they were cold. So Rory is going to see her therapist. As I mentioned, Yale has this policy for any students that just, like, suddenly take time off.
1: I mentioned that. <laughs> you said she's got to go to the therapist for, like, because she's going to Yale or something?
0: Okay. But that was not what I was trying to say. So every woman going to Yale needs to go to this therapist. <laughs> <laughs> just the women. No. So, yes, like Stacey said, so she's got to go see this therapist. It's supposed to be a one-time deal. But, of course, she's going right after Logan drops this big hallway L-bomb on her, which is, uh, like I said, a lot of emotional baggage. Rory gets there and is immediately super defensive to this therapist. And it's just, like, channeling Lane's misplaced anger.
1: The guy does know a lot of details about her life. Like, why does he know her boyfriend's name?
0: Well, he explains that, like, you stole a yacht. It was, like, kind of big news. He probably yeah. reads that girl's sex blog. And <laughs> yeah, I was them.
1: thinking that. He must.
0: I wish he had mentioned that. You are on uh, read a sex blog? I don't remember the girl's name. I don't know she just seems super defensive, and I, I feel like the guy's just like trying to do his job. He probably thoroughly researched her beforehand.
1: Is that normal though to like Google someone?
0: I don't know, man. I've never been a therapist. I follow the Luke, <laughs> the Luke Guide to Mental Health, which is to just swallow your emotions until you explode.
1: It is funny how anti-therapy the show is. Because even in the beginning, when Roy tells Lorelai she's going to therapy, she's like, "Oh, she's all worried yeah. about it that she's gonna like ask her about her mother and stuff like that." Yeah, like, meaning Lorelai,
0: right? Yeah, it's funny. I think it's just like the attitudes in general towards therapy have changed in the last like 10 years. Yeah, totally. So much. People are like, yeah, maybe it isn't a bad idea to have someone to talk to about your feelings. But this scene is super good and super funny. And I have heard people's reviews of it, and we'll talk about that. But this poor therapist is just desperately trying to keep up with Rory, but she just like explodes like a dam breaking and just like all the water of her trauma is coming out. (laughs) She's like, out. she's like, I don't know where Logan gets off doing this. Like, I stole a boat with him. You know, I never stole a boat with Deed. And he's like, uh, who's Dean? And she's like, my married ex-boyfriend who I lost my virginity to. Yeah, I'm a treat. <laughs> this guy's like, okay.
1: Also, she tells him that Logan said he loved her. And she's like, I love you? Is he serious? The guy's like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, he, he has done some extensive research. So he's probably like, yes, he does, right. You're the first woman he's ever loved. Sure. He was with Melissa for months. McCarthy? Yeah, he dated Melissa McCarthy for a while. It's going to come up later. This scene is really funny, and she cries during it. And I felt it, that the crying didn't seem real. Yes. And you told me that people have issues with this crying. But I will say that this scene is played for comedy, so the fact that the crying doesn't come across as genuine is like maybe even better.
1: Yes. I know that people always comment on how she's not a great fake crier. And I do think in that episode where Rory collapses into Dean's arms and Lorelai collapses into Luke's arms. Yeah. Lorelei's crying is much better than Rory's in that episode. Rory's crying didn't feel great in a moment that was supposed to be pretty serious. Yeah. But in this one, I'm it does seem fake, but I think it's supposed to be super exaggerated and funny. Yeah. So I'm fine with it.
0: Real tears might have Made it seem less funny and more like you feel empathy for her. Yeah. Not that I don't feel empathy for her, but you know what I mean? Like you're trying to you – know, I, I didn't feel like it was actually trying to make me cry in this scene. It was more like it's funny how upset she is.
1: Yeah. The therapist's reactions were all funny. Yeah. I think they probably told her to play it up because she's grabbing way too many tissues. Yeah. You can use a tissue for a couple blows before you move uh, on to the next, but she's okay. just like – Ryan. she's just going through like 10 in one hand. She's
0: used to living at the Emily Gilmore household where you use one tissue and then for anything, you get rid of it. You grab a new tissue, you're rich, you got tissue money. Afterwards, Rory calls her mom and we find out that she's actually got to do two more months of therapy because, you know, she had a meltdown. It's pretty funny because uh, Lorelai's all like, all right, remember, blame everything on grandma. <laughs> she also tells her mother that Logan told her he loved her, but she doesn't know if she believes him. I believe him.
1: Yeah, I don't know why he would lie about that. He could easily just move on and go back to his old life. He clearly is putting some effort into trying to get her back.
0: Yeah, and he could have said that earlier when they were together. What do you mean? I mean, it's like he wasn't sure, and then the breakup made it clear to him that he does love her.
1: You could argue he's saying that to get her back.
0: Yes, you could. But if
1: he didn't love her, I don't know why he would want her back.
0: Have you seen those blue eyes and those bangs?
1: Like, he might just want someone to have sex with consistently, but I feel like he could get that anywhere.
0: Not those blue eyes.
1: At the top of the scene before where he calls, Lorelai's, like, dealing with her dress by her closet, and Paul Anka, like, wants in and grabs a shoe. Is that some kind of sign?
0: Or is Yeah. Is <laughs> he just, well, like, What's that about? She looks at him, like, okay, whatever.
1: Yeah. I mean, Kurt asked to go in our closet the other day. Yeah. We don't have our closets open very often, but he really likes sitting on top of the suitcases that are in one of them. Yeah. And we let him do it the other day. <laughs> and then, like, the next day, he was just, like, staring at the closet looking up at us. Like,
0: I'd like to go in, please. Maybe. He never does that. Uh, we got up early to do the podcast today, and he was like, "So we're eating or what?" And he was very upset.
1: Yeah, because usually we feed him immediately when we get up.
0: Yeah. Meanwhile, Luke is having uh, a bunch of secrets this episode. Just one. He secretly visits April's mom. April is out because she is "quote unquote" tracking a grub migration. Okay. Okay. Sure.
1: Even her mom was like, "Yeah, just go do that." Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, Luke asks why she never told him, and she explains it's because he hates kids, and she didn't think he'd want to know because of his hatred for kids. And She gives examples, and I'm on her side here because he definitely does hate kids. Like, he hates having babies at his diner even, like babies of people he knows.
1: He tries to say he doesn't hate kids, and we're like, yes, you do.
0: This is pretty, uh, I mean, he's, like, asking her, like, tough questions, like, why wouldn't you tell me? But this is coming, they're on good terms, they're not on bad terms. But he tells her that he feels like he had a right to know, and he definitely would have helped if he had known. Anna apologizes for not telling him, and she says that they didn't need his help. He tells her, like, hey, listen, I don't want contact. I'm not here to mess up what you guys have, so, you know, you don't have to give me contact. But, like, he still wants to do his part, his responsibility by chipping in. And I feel like this is super on brand for Luke. Right, because Luke is all about, I feel like he's duty driven. He's got like a sense of right and wrong. And sometimes that sense gets him into trouble, like with Dean. But like a lot of the times it's like, oh, yeah, the right thing to do is for me to do A, B, and C. And I will do those things. Me even begrudgingly, but I'll do them. And so he, I think, is very much on brand. Like, I want to be able to help this because it's my job. That's what I'm supposed to do. And she's like, okay, if it makes you feel better, you can ship in. He's like, great, great, great.
1: He's also like just because I hate kids doesn't mean I would like hate my own kid. Like you should have still told me.
0: And she should have. Honestly, it's I'm surprised he's not more angry about it.
1: It's a little weird that she wouldn't tell him.
0: Yeah, it's weird to keep a child from someone. It's fucked up. Like it'd be one thing if Luke was like abusive or something, but Luke is just like a guy that she seems like she likes even.
1: Yeah, it's funny because she offers him tea and he's like. Sure, tea sounds like tea. (laughs) Yeah, and then he has, like,
0: four sips and then leaves.
1: When he tries, he's like, yep, tastes like tea. (laughs) He clearly doesn't like tea. Yeah.
0: Before he goes, Anna mentions that his daughter is very smart, which he can tell. And she even has written a book, which is like, are we going to talk about that book? And she's even got her own website. On his way out, after, like, one sip of tea, she asks him, like, hey, Luke, are you happy? He thinks for a second, then he says, yeah, I am. And she's like, it's pretty cool, isn't it? And he says, yeah, I kind of like this dialogue. A lot, actually. Because it's just like two adults that knew each other when they were kids. Not kids, but you know what I mean, like much younger. And they're kind of like, huh, we made it through all that. And we're happy now. It's like kind of cool. I feel like I've had that same discussion with people who I grew up with. Where it's like, hey, things have worked out. We were unpopular with high school kids and like bullied or whatever. Like things are good now. Yeah. At least that's what I told the uh, baby mama I was visiting the other week.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Anyway, our my kid is dumb. So <laughs> we're not visiting him. He's got a website, but do not go there.
1: Do you recognize this actress
0: no what is she from
1: (laughs) i've been teasing this for a while but i didn't want to tell you
0: oh my gosh is this one of the hints you've been dropping i've been missing
1: no but it's an actor that's been in the show and i people don't always notice it i don't think i noticed it because they changed her hair color oh my god she was jess's stepmom in california sasha really yeah i figured you wouldn't notice but i wanted to see if you did
0: you know what she did seem like sort of familiar to me but I figured it was just like her general demeanor was inviting and nice and welcoming. And that was somehow, how, okay.
1: It's a pretty different character.
0: Yeah. No dogs. She's
1: also in Twin Peaks. A lot of people are.
0: She plays Michael Myers in the Halloween movies. N- no. No, no.
1: But she was also someone that they were considering for Lorelei when the show started. Interesting. What do you think of Anna?
0: I don't know. Um, I, I feel like we're getting a lot of Anna time right now. I don't. She seems like a positive influence so far anyway. I mean, I think it's weird that she hit a child from Luke, and then it's all like, yeah, I hit a child from you. I mean, whatever. You know, you don't like kids. I feel like that's all shitty, but the show's not trying to say that she's shitty. The show's just like, yeah, she made a mistake, and everyone's over it. So you should be over it, too, viewer.
1: Just asking what your first impression of her was.
0: My first impression is is good, but we'll see what happens. We'll see. Then we see Kirk helping Luke, trying to find the perfect spot to steal some free Wi-Fi from, like, the bank or something.
1: Such a funny thing we used to do.
0: Yeah, it's pretty funny. They're just like out there with like a laptop, like a divining rod, trying to find the perfect Wi-Fi to steal. It's also just hilarious to me how dated the show seems in this regard. I'm sure when it came out, this was just like, oh, it's like a funny bit and we can relate to. But now it's like, what? a restaurant that doesn't have Wi-Fi? What? I feel like every like fucking gas stations have Wi-Fi now. (laughs) Well, anyway, Luke finds a spot with Kirk's help. And then we see him smiling as he reads the site that his daughter runs. It's very clear he's super impressed by her.
1: It's just like pictures of her with the years the pictures were taken.
0: Well, I mean, that's, a, that, yeah, that's the page we see. But also for Luke, that's like crazy probably. Like he yeah. He has no idea.
1: But he learns a lot about her, I think. He sees her like doing science as like a really little kid.
0: Yeah. You saw how excited and impressed Richard was by Logan using email. So I can only imagine that this seems crazy. Yeah, he might just
1: be marveling at the wonders of the internet.
0: <laughs> yeah. He's just excited about the computer. Like, what? <laughs> Oh, man, I could buy hardware here? Uh, that night, Luke calls Anna and says he wants contact. Pretty abruptly. He just calls her. He's like, I want contact. You know, classic Luke. You bottled up his emotions, and they're all coming out. He's changed his mind. He's pretty forceful about it. He's, like, demanding contact. But Anna's like, okay. If April's cool with it, I'm fine with it. And he's kind of taken aback. He's like, oh, 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 okay, cool. And he's, like, happy now. Changes demeanor. She obviously says it's up to April, and he can call her back later to talk to her about it.
1: Also, when he calls, Anna's in the middle of a pillow emergency.
0: <laughs> yeah, Anna drops the phone. She's like, "Pillow emergency! Hold on, pillow emergency!" I don't even understand what. Why could that we did possibly
1: this. be? I think it's just to like tell us she's quirky. I guess she seems to run some kind of shop that's just like fabrics and pillows and things. She mentions that it's like frivolous stuff that Luke would hate.
0: Yeah, but Lorelai would probably love.
1: But what is a pillow emergency? <laughs>
0: The only thing I think of is, like, you find someone putting a pillow over someone in a hospital bed, and you oh, got yeah. to stop them. And you're like, it's a pillow emergency. <laughs>
1: it looks like she just had to, like, straighten a pillow slightly.
0: Yeah, she's not going to talk on the phone with a wrinkly pillow.
1: Did she need both hands?
0: Babe, you just, you don't, you've never had a pillow emergency, okay? <laughs> so Luke goes over to Lorelai's. It's very clear he's there to tell her about April. But then Lorelai comes downstairs in her wedding dress, ignoring the bad luck implications of this. She's all like, if it's under five minutes, there's no bad luck. And he clearly also thinks it's a perfect dress. She looks marvelous in it.
1: She's like stressing out about the dress. So she wants yeah. to show it to him to make sure he thinks it's fine. She's having second thoughts.
0: It's that moment where he's like taken aback by how beautiful she is in it. I'm just going to be blunt here, guys, and people are going to be mad at me, but I'm going to say, I, I don't know that it's a beautiful dress.
1: I thought it was fine hanging up, but I don't know that it looks that great on her, really.
0: The front is like too fruffly. It, it, it looks like the front was made of papier-mâché, but the paper mache got wet and now it's like peeling off.
1: She looks best in like a, a boob showing dress, but this is just like very bunchy around her middle. Yeah. She looks great in a lot of dresses, but I don't know that this is the most flattering for her.
0: Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, if your fiancé is like, I like this dress, it's not like I'm like, well, I don't. Like, sure, whatever you want to wear.
1: For the most part in the show, when they tell us she looks great in a dress, it's the opposite. (laughs)
0: And then when she's
1: just, like, going to Friday night dinner regular, she looks great.
0: Yeah. She kisses him and runs upstairs to change. Everything is so perfect, which is probably why Luke signs and doesn't tell her about April. Luke, just do it. (sighs) Just tell her.
1: I mean, is he not going to tell her when she comes back down? Is the whole night ruined now because she looked good in the dress?
0: Right. I feel like he could tell her later, like after she comes back down. I mean, I think that there is some, there's more that's not being said here in that at the diner, she was like, all of these signs, I'm looking for a sign, desperately looking for a sign that we shouldn't be getting married. Oh, sure. Like reading into every single thing. And it's clear that like anything that could be interpreted as a sign is going to make her freak out. That's her natural state before marriage is to freak out. And so I think there is some justification for Luke to be hesitant to tell her this because he's like, she's definitely going to interpret this as like a sign that we shouldn't be married. I hear that. I don't think it's tough. Like, I think Luke definitely should tell her like in this episode.
1: You think you would want to. Like, I get being a little confused about it at first and wanting like a couple days to process, especially when he was trying to decide if he even wanted to follow up on it. Yeah. But even then, I feel like. I would want you to know that I had a secret child, even if I decided I never wanted to see that child. It's a little different for a woman. But don't you think if you found out you had a secret kid, you would want me to know?
0: Oh, would you want to know? Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely want to know if you had a kid because that could come out at any point. It's also just like, there's probably some like legal ramifications, even if it never happens, it could.
1: That's just like a big thing that's like maybe you're always going to be thinking about too that's like weird to keep from your partner. Yeah. I don't know. You just would want to like confide that in
0: someone. And you just be like, why would you hide that from me? Do you not trust me?
1: Yeah, the longer you hide that, the weirder it's going to be.
0: I mean, I think we've said what we feel like it's fine for Luke to hold the secret for like a couple of days while he processes everything. Like until he meets Anna and is like, what's the deal? Why did you hide this from me? You know? Yes. But once he's like figured out like everything and he's like, I want contact. It's like, you, you should tell Lorelai now. Mm-hmm. And Luke, you said it yourself at dinner with the Suki's. I know that's not their last names. You said that you have no problem saying stuff, no matter how uncomfortable it makes anyone. So you should just tell her the truth.
1: Do you know what their last names are?
0: Fruit Stand Man. No. No, I don't. McCarthy. Suki Fruit Stand Man. (laughs) What what is it?
1: Suki is Suki St. James, and Jackson is Jackson Belleville.
0: Did they keep their names, or did she take his?
1: I don't know that it's addressed, but they might say her last name is still St. James at some point. Hmm. Do people have Saint in their last name? Anyway. I almost think that once Luke decided he's going to financially support this girl, he should be telling Lorelai. If they're getting married.
0: Yeah. Because their finances are linked.
1: I don't know exactly what their financial plan is going to be, but it seems like he helped pay for the house that they're going to be living in.
0: Yeah. So, Stace, do you think this is a good episode of Gilmore Girls?
1: I do. I enjoyed it. I mean, it's not a particularly memorable, oh, that's the one where that shit went down. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of big. We met Anna. Yeah. Logan's back in the picture. But there's just like a ton of great moments.
0: Yes, totally.
1: Like Lane and her mom. Luke deciding he wants a relationship with this girl. Yeah. I liked Lorelai and Rory's little lunch. That was funny. The Paris and Doyle
0: stuff is super funny. And the therapist stuff is funny.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean it was definitely an enjoyable, fun episode that didn't really have too many negatives at all.
0: Yeah, I agree. I liked it.
1: It's interesting that both Rory and Lane are going through breakups at the same time. It's yes. sort of like the guy's trying to win him back, but they're angry.
0: And they both broke up off screen.
1: I think that's also very real. I feel like that's happened to me a couple times in my life. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: Where I've gone through a breakup, but like, then my entire group of female friends also breaks up with their boyfriends, or...
0: I feel like in high school, it was like a thing that happened.
1: Yeah. Not that I was always the first one, but it just, I feel like that happens, where entire groups of friends will like, pair up and then all break up at the same time. I think it's because... You sort of just, like, get empowered to end a relationship once you see that someone else is able to do it.
0: And I think some of those relationships were like, yeah, you're dating these two guys in this group of three friends. I'll date yes. the other one. Like, yes. I feel like there was some of that.
1: And also, like, oh, they're single now. I want to be single, too, instead of being tied to this person.
0: Yeah. But then you find out that they're carrying your April baby. and Yeah. yeah.
1: So, yeah, I, I liked it.
0: Me, too. And now I think we should move on to a special segment we like to call Meanwhile Uncharmed.
1: Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us have seen. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny.
0: Just the way you said that, it sounded like you are saying this aired around the same time as neither of us have seen. When you, really, when you listen to it again, I think you'll know what I'm talking
1: about. Okay. Do I have to say it again?
0: I think you should, yeah.
1: Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us have seen.
0: But we're discussing it anyway.
1: But we're discussing it anyway.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sick, everybody. And my partner's so mean about it.
1: <laughs> but we're discussing it anyway. Wait, that's your line. Okay.
0: we're discussing it anyway.
1: Based only on its IMDb summaries. Brian, what happened on Charmed?
0: Meanwhile, on Charmed Season 6, Episode 11... Witch stock. Paige finds herself transported back in time by a pair of Gram's boots to an era of free love and freely practiced magic where Paige really fits in. Okay, so Graham's boots. Are these wishing boots from Sarah? <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's such a good SNL sketch. I'll put it in the episode description. Please watch. Yeah. Blake Sheldon wishing boot if you haven't seen it. So do you do you remember Graham's?
0: No, not at all. Do you?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm going to read my notes about it, but I basically remember. We found out like way deep into this that there was just like a woman named Grams that maybe like they'd known all along, but had never been in the descriptions. Okay. According to us, she is the old woman who lives across the street. They've gone to her for advice a lot. She used to read them fairy tales when they were kids. And then there's like a whole little fairy tale, little Red Riding Hood situation. And Grams is now the keeper of the fairy tales. Right, right. A listener told me who she actually is, and I completely forgot what they said. So, they find Graham's boots. I like to think that this era of free love for the witches is just, like, set in, like, the 80s or something. Like, a different era than than the Woodstock era.
0: But it wasn't. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It was during the 60s. It was
1: during World War II. (laughs) <laughs> Great era for witches.
0: I had coffee in my mouth. I was just <laughs> desperately trying not to laugh at all over it. place. I was trying out a new <laughs> laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Man, living with witches has got to be really scary. You know what I mean? Like, if your grandma dies and you got to, like, get rid of her shit, you're like, half this stuff's enchanted. If I put this boot on, I'm going to end up in the past. Like, <laughs> I, I don't want to just touch anything in here.
1: Graham didn't die.
0: I know, but if, if I don't know. Who knows? Maybe Graham did die. That's true. You'd think this would mention that. Anyway, so... Paige puts these boots on because they look fucking nice. Mm-hmm. They are nice. They
1: are cute.
0: And then she says the magic words like, these are cute. And that sends her back to uh, the 80s. <laughs> I know a lot of you are like, but no, it's the 60s. I thought Stacy was making a joke. No, guys. The 80s for witches was like the 60s for muggles. Mm-hmm. So yeah, everyone's hooking up with everybody and like just doing magic all the time. And Paige is like, I love it here.
1: It's like direct episode of Buffy. Whatever that was, this is happening and it's fine. Yeah,
0: people are banging and their houses are falling down around. Uh, that's smashed. No, no, no. Uh, no. But, well, they are, but then they just put it back together with magic. Yes. Like at the end of Critters 1.
1: People are just, like, floating and seeing shit. Their eyes are all black. It's a good time.
0: Yeah. Rack is there. It's a great time. Everyone's enjoying it. But at some point, Paige is like, do you guys ever, you know, like, get hangovers from this? And they're like, yeah, it's happening right now. And then they all come down and it's real bad. Because much like Willow and Buffy, like, they crash hard. And then they all find out they're pregnant. And they're all, like, prophesized babies. That's the problem with having sex with the witches. You get prophesied babies all the time. Mm-hmm.
1: You don't have to worry about STDs. you got to worry about having, like, an important baby.
0: Yeah. Uh, Which sucks. But Paige didn't have sex. So she's like, I guess I'll go back. And so she puts on her mom's nylons. and,
1: (laughs) Which she keeps in her pocket, her mom's nylons.
0: Yeah, and she says, these are cute. And then she ends up back in the present. It's really a quick episode.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's a lot. We see a lot of the magic stuff.
0: Yeah, and it's funny. And Austin Powers. it's It's not Austin Powers, but it's clear that's what they were going for. But also it's the 80s.
1: And, I mean, Paige is back home doing stuff with her sisters, but she's clearly longing for this time period. Oh, yeah. She wishes she was back there.
0: Yeah, but the real thing about this episode is that she's, like, happy to be home, and she realizes that's the best decision, but the whole time she's just so, like, sad that she can't wear those boots again. It's, like, really sad, because they were nice. It ends with her putting them in the closet and her just looking at them so longingly and then shutting the door
1: yeah, I mean, like, part of it is she missed the time period, but she also just, like, wants to wear those boots.
0: It's really sad She
1: wishes she could wear the boots without having to go back to the 80s, but she also wants to go back to the 80s. It, it, she's, she's going through it a lot right now. Yeah. This is bad. Meanwhile, Meanwhile Uncharmed. Uncharmed.
0: So, Stacey, then we watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer, season six, episode, I don't know.
1: Eleven.
0: Sure, I'll take your word for it. Please tell us all about Gone.
1: Gone is about Buffy becoming invisible.
0: Yeah, good recap.
1: (laughs) And she seems kind of okay with that. Yeah. Also about Willow having to do things with her hands again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. It opens on the summer's ladies purging their house of everything magic related so that Willow isn't tempted to do any more magic. You said you liked the shot. It opens with the table just like full of a bunch of magic stuff and then it gets shoved into the trash.
0: Yeah, because it seems like it's going to be this like, we're preparing for the worst or something. And then it was just like, no, this is just all going in the trash.
1: Like Will just had a magic rager. I mean, it's all like tarot cards and stuff.
0: Or they're getting ready to fight some big bad.
1: Oh, uh, sure, sure.
0: Or like a spell is about to be cast by a big bad. And then it's just like, oh, no, this is all in the garbage.
1: Dawn is really upset that they can't have candles. I didn't know she was so fond of candles. She's like freaking out. <laughs> She's kind of being a baby about the fact that they have to get rid of so much
0: stuff. To be fair, Dawn literally is made of magic, so maybe she wants some of the magic stuff around.
1: Buffy explains that they need to get rid of any reminder of what Willow's trying to stay away from, or she could give in to temptation, and that would be bad, she says as she finds spikes lighter in the couch cushions. She seems to put it in the pile of stuff that they're getting rid of, but we find out later, it does not stay there. Yeah. The trio has used their stolen diamond to create an invisibility ray, Believe it or not, this is the first time that Danny Strong has been in both episodes in the same pairing. Yeah. He wasn't in Gilmore Girls until season four. And the only season four Buffy episode he's in is Superstar, which he's not in that Gilmore Girls That's the Spring Break episode. He wasn't in season five of Buffy, and he's only been in one Gilmore this season before this one. And that one was paired with the musical episode, which he was not in. It's just kind of wild that it's never happened before. I was half expecting him yeah. to like have the same exact dialogue in both <laughs> Because you know
0: the same dialogue,
1: Amy be copying.
0: Yeah, that's funny. It's weird when Andrew and Warren show up and more.
1: <laughs> I didn't really look too hard for it, but I don't think there was any like direct reference to it being the same actor. Anyway, the trio thinks this gun is gonna make them unstoppable. We'll see.
0: This gun, by the way, is made from the crystal they stole in like the previous episode.
1: Yes, I called it invisibility, right? But it's like a gun. The next morning, Willow's making breakfast. She says she's feeling a little bit better. Less shaky, anyway. Again, I don't know why she's going through literal withdrawal.
0: I've been thinking about this. Okay. Okay, so I think that... The, I've been thinking about the spells that she was doing. I think some spells might be designed to give you pleasure, okay? So it's not just, like, Willow... The spe- Like, the spell she does with Rack are, like, spells that are literally designed to, to give you pleasure.
1: Yeah, because those aren't, like, achieving anything. You're just, like, feeling.
0: Well, I don't... It depends. I think that, one, like, some of them are summoning spells, which... Maybe designed to give you pleasure so that you do them mm. to like summon demons. And those are, and it's not like the spells she uses to like, you know, put decorations up or whatever that are that addictive. They're probably addictive in the sense that like she's annoyed that she has to put decorations up. It takes two hours, it could take two seconds, right? But I think she, it's these spells that like Rack did to her that like make her sort of crave them now. And I think she might crave magic that isn't just levitating a pencil. She craves these types of spells. And also she wants to do the other ones. Like it's all a little connected. If you were to raise a pencil, that's like a a cigarette. It's not really doing anything big for you, but it's maybe scratching the itch a little bit. Yeah. But like will make you still want to do more. So I've been thinking about that and I was like, okay, I think some of the spells that we've seen are like designed to be pleasurable. And Willow misses those specifically. But like it's a slippery slope. Sure. So she is having drug-like withdrawals for those specific types of spells, not for the levitation of pencil spells.
1: That makes sense, but they don't really explain They do
0: not say it at all, and it's all up for interpretation. And honestly, it's a little loosey-goosey sloppy.
1: I think just, like, one line explaining that somewhere in one of these recent episodes would be helpful. Yeah. Explaining physically what she's going through and, like, what triggers her.
0: Because we've talked about it and thought about this at length, which is where I came up with this idea. But like you said, like, they don't explain what's happening. What physically is she withdrawing from? Like,
1: Why does she need water?
0: Yeah, she drinks a lot of water.
1: Dawn's super pissy. She doesn't want to eat breakfast. She's mad at Buffy for letting this happen to Willow? I don't know that that super makes sense. I feel like she should be more mad at Willow.
0: Yeah, but she's a kid.
1: I mean, Buffy's also been kind of a bad guardian lately, but like, she's not directing any of it at Willow. Yeah. She's very lame in this episode. Uh
0: Uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm sure that's where Amy got her ideas.
1: Yes. Spike bursts through the kitchen door, sizzling in his daytime cloak. He says he was just out for a stroll. Turns out he's there to look for his lighter. He thinks it may have fallen out of his pocket last time he was here. When was he here? We haven't seen him sitting on the couch anytime recently. I don't know. Have they been hooking up times that we didn't know about? Has he not smoked for like weeks? You know what I mean? Like he seems to really need this lighter.
0: I mean, it's an excuse to be over there.
1: Yeah. Buffy lies and says she hasn't seen it. Willow goes upstairs and then Buffy actually accuses Spike of making an excuse to try to see her and tells him to stop calling her love. He starts fondling her hair and pitching all kinds of other names he could call her, which she doesn't seem to hate. Mm -hmm. I think he maybe starts touching her downstairs or she's just really into the names he's suggesting because she she starts making some sounds. He should be on fire, by the way. They're like right by the window on a very sunny morning.
0: Yeah. How is he not on fire right now? Like it's the the stuff they get away with. I'm like, that's clearly direct sunlight on your skin.
1: The blinds are down, but they're open.
0: You know what? Maybe Miss Kim was like, she was in, gonna, usually she does all that stuff and then invites a vampire in. And...
1: At night? That's fine.
0: Yeah, but he's gonna spend the night, so the uh, window's got to be closed in the morning. You can just cut this joke. It didn't work in any way whatsoever.
1: No. They like to hear our mistakes. This is all interrupted when Xander walks in. He's like, Spike, stop trying to get with Buffy. It's never gonna happen. Only a loser would hook up with you, unless she's an idiot like Harmony or crazy like Drew. Buffy's like, hey, let's stop talking, Xander. She's about to send Dawn out the door with Xander to school, where they bump into Doris from social services.
0: Uh Uh-oh. I kind of
1: made a joke about this last week, that they were coming soon and they're here. Buffy's forgotten what day of the week it is, which also happened in the last episode. She was like, last night we hooked up. So she, she skipped a day at some point.
0: To be fair, Willow's been playing with her memories, so who knows? Maybe she messed something up in there. True. Daylight savings time just happened. Maybe she's, she's confused. She should have told Doris
1: all of this. Well, this lady's here to tell Buffy how bad of a mom she's been. I had a sneaking suspicion that this woman was in Gilmore Girls because she seemed familiar. Yeah. And I was right.
0: Ooh. She plays she's... Emily Gilmore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she's one of the bed and breakfast guests on that road trip to Harvard episode. Oh. With that other woman that was also in one episode of Buffy. Joyce's friend, Pat, was the host of the Bed and Breakfast.
0: You put on that zombie mask and died.
1: Mm-hmm. So Xander takes Dawn to school, late, which Doris clocks. Spike is just sitting in the living room, looking like a bad decision, which Doris clocks. He tries to smooth things over by telling her how great of a mom Buffy is. Like, when Dawn was hanging out at his crib too much, Buffy put a stop to
0: it. <laughs> She's like, Crypt?
1: <laughs> Buffy tries to correct it to crib. She tries to get rid of Spike, but he tells her he needs his blanket. I don't know why he couldn't just pick it up and take it. It was just on the arm of the chair right next to both of them.
0: I feel like Spike should say, like, I'll go downstairs and fix the pipes or whatever. And yes. Because, so, like, it's just a red flag of him. put. He just looks like a junkie leaving with a fucking blanket over his head.
1: I don't know why he couldn't just grab it. He, like, made it a whole thing that she had to hand it to him. You know, it's not like Bubby had it locked in a cabinet he wasn't invited into.
0: Miss Kim has one in a cabinet. Put a little tea cozy on him. <laughs>
1: There's also this weird thing where Buffy then lies and says it's his security blanket. She's like, he doesn't sleep here. I don't know why she couldn't just say, he's not my boyfriend. He doesn't sleep here. He's a friend that lent me that blanket for a camping trip and he came to pick it up, you know? Well, like-
0: also, I, I think the, the big mistake here is that she's like, doesn't want to say he's her boyfriend because she doesn't want that to be true. But like, mm. there's nothing wrong with him being her boyfriend.
1: I mean, if they didn't, like, have record of her having, like, a live-in boyfriend, that might be, you know, and he doesn't look like the most up-and-up dude, necessarily.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't, unless they have some reason to believe he's, like, abusing Dawn, I don't think there's anything they can really say.
1: I just think it's definitely a note that they would make, that Buffy's sure. got a guy that's staying over. Yeah. Who's, like, older than her. But I hear what you're saying. It's also because she doesn't want to admit that he's her boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, nope, just me and Dawn living here. And then Willow says something, so Buffy's got to be like, uh, that, yeah, she, she lives here. Uh, I'm not gay. She's she's gay, but we're not gay.
0: And a junkie.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, then Doris finds a box of all the magic stuff Buffy's gathered, but hasn't actually thrown out for some reason.
0: It's something Giles used to do, and now she just <laughs> That's why he left, so she learned to throw out the garbage and stuff.
1: But there's what looks like weed right on top of this whole pile of stuff. It's sage or whatever, probably. Doris is like, yeah, I'm going to go. I've gotten the gist of what's happening here. Dawn's grades are terrible. She's missing a lot of school. You're young and unemployed. You seem very irresponsible. You're on probation, baby. And if things don't improve, I'm going to be taking Dawn away from you. Doris seems like she'd be a real blast at parties.
0: Yeah, she's giving me some, like, uh, real umbrage vibes.
1: To be fair, she's, like, right, though. These all do seem like red flags.
0: We also don't have any record of Dawn ever being born or existing (laughs) here.
1: Spike didn't actually leave. I think he thought Buffy might want some support, maybe? But she snaps at him to leave. He slams her up against the door and takes the lighter from her pocket. Buffy was jessing Spike's Dean bracelet?
0: She was jessing Spike's Dean bracelet.
1: Buffy's upset about Dawn. She's probably upset about her addiction to Spike. She goes up to her room and chops off all her hair. She then goes to a salon to get evened out. She tells the woman, just make me different. The trio is about to turn themselves invisible to, like, go into a bikini waxing place? Is that what's happening?
0: I guess.
1: They're gonna go in and just stare at women while they get their hair ripped out of their vaginas? Yeah. Go into some woman's house while she's taking a shower. That seems like a more sexy time than when she's just screaming. Yeah. Whatever. They might as well, like, go to a gynecologist. <laughs> <laughs> but their plans go awry when Buffy walks out of the salon across the street. With her new Rory Season 4 cut. (laughs) It looks good. I like it. I like it too. Too bad. Nobody will see it for a while. Oh yeah. The boys don't want Buffy to see them. So they start fighting over the gun to turn themselves invisible. And it fires, hits Buffy, and turns her invisible. Sandra and Anya are at the magic shop planning their wedding. Just like Lorelai. They're going over their seating chart trying to figure out where to seat the (laughs) Hoffman's. So funny. <laughs> De Hoffren, of course, is Anya's old demon boss. Xander's like, why, why is he coming? He, he's not sitting with my parents. I don't like my parents. We're like, what? <laughs> yeah. While they're arguing over whether or not De Hoffren should even be invited, Invisible Buffy sneaks in. She lets them know that she's there and that she's invisible. Xander must like touch her nipples or something, because they both get uncomfortable. And he's like, Yeah, her, her clothes are invisible too.
0: I don't he touches her nipple? I don't remember that.
1: He, like, reaches out with two hands and, like, bumps into her, and she's like, Xander. And then he tells Anya that her clothes are invisible, too.
0: Oh, yeah. So he must,
1: like, feel her bare boobs, or her skin, at least. But he had two hands out where her boobs would be.
0: Right. Joss was like, we're writing that right now in the script. And we need, I'm we should show probably you run game. one
1: with Sarah in the room just to <laughs> <so> really good <laughs> to feel down for Xander. For Xander. For Xander. For Xander. For Xander. Xander, let me show you.
0: Nicholas, you just said this one out. Uh
1: they do reference the season one Invisible Girl episode.
0: I like that. I thought yeah. that was cool. I know. I, I love when the show does that, where they're like, because I've, I've talked about this before. Apologies. But in X-Files, they'll talk about vampires or something and be like, yeah, you dealt with vampires two seasons ago. We're going to pretend that didn't happen or you don't remember that. So it's nice that they reference similar stuff. And I thought it was like, are you feeling ignored lately? Yeah. <laughs> I like that.
1: She's like, no, this isn't a Marcy situation. She tells him that this happened as she was coming out of the salon. Anya is very excited about her haircut. Buffy's describing it and he's like, that sounds adorable. (laughs) Buffy starts playing with like some random stuff around the shop, mostly to let us know where she is. I
0: thought it was kind of funny when she pretends their eyes.
1: Yeah. She seems to be enjoying herself. She's like, how about you guys figure this out? I'm going to go for a walk. Xander and Ani don't really get why an enemy would want Buffy to be invisible. So maybe it's a mistake? A magical mistake? Who do they know that's been making a bunch of magical mistakes lately?
0: That's really hard. I can't think of anyone, honestly. Harry Potter. They gotta call Umbridge.
1: (laughs) So Xander heads to the semi-res to accuse Willow. She's in the middle of chugging a bunch of water and doing some research about the diamond using the internet the old-fashioned way. She checks out April's website. She's like, this is
0: garbage. (laughs) I'm smarter than this girl.
1: She almost slips up and uses magic when she gets a little too lazy to get up to grab a book from the other side of the table.
0: Yeah, this is how she's going to slip up. It's like, oh, I'd have to get up. Well, I might as well just do drugs again.
1: When Xander walks in and asks if there's anything she wants to tell him, she thinks he means this little spell she was about to do and then is kind of offended when she realizes he means that he thinks she made Buffy invisible. Speaking of which, Buffy's out having fun. She pretends to be a fashion ghost and like steals an ugly studded leather baseball hat off of a woman's (laughs) head. She steals a parking cop's stupid little car. And then she goes to fuck with social services Doris. She goes into her office. She keeps moving her coffee cup and she kind of starts wiggling it and tells Doris to kill everyone. Doris starts shouting at her mug to shut up, so everyone in the office, including Doris, starts to think she's losing her mind. She goes into the restroom to get a grip, and while she's gone, Buffy changes Don's file to say, like, all work and no play makes Doris a doll girl over and over again. Yeah. Her boss is like, Doris, what is this? What's going on? She's like, it was the voice. It made my coffee dance. He's like, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to assign someone else to Don, and you should maybe take the rest of the day off and maybe see Roy's therapist.
0: Yeah. Who's Dean, by the way?
1: I don't know! <laughs> she tries to convince her boss she's not crazy, as Invisible Buffy is whistling on out of there.
0: Do you know what she's whistling, by the way? I don't remember. Going through the motions.
1: Oh, yeah, maybe I missed that. Will and Xander have gone to where Buffy disappeared to look for clues. Willow actually got there first and has done a lot of detective work. They're spray painting other stuff in the area that went invisible, like traffic cones, etc. Willow has put together that a black vehicle seems to have sped out of there pretty quickly. And they remember that Buffy suspected a black van was following her several episodes ago. Willow figures out the vehicle was black by scraping paint off of an invisible fire hydrant. But how would she have known there was paint on it?
0: Probably because there was a floating piece of paint.
1: Oh, maybe. But I was like, did she scrape the whole thing? How did she know the, it wasn't a black fire hydrant?
0: Well, I mean, I think it would be pretty obvious. You'd look over and there'd just be floating black paint. And you're like, oh, that's, there's probably an invisible object there.
1: Okay. Right. I don't know if she said that.
0: <clears throat> I don't think she did, but I, I mean, you could deduce that.
1: How does this gun work? Like, obviously, it hit Buffy. Yeah. But how did it also hit the fire hydrant? Like, why isn't the ground around the hydrant invisible? I, didn't
0: they, like, shoot it a few times? Yeah, maybe. I thought they shot it a few times because they were, like, fighting over it.
1: I don't know how the invisibility works. Like, if you bump something with the van... Yeah, I guess because there's spray painting stuff that makes it visible.
0: Like, if you were to throw paint on the predator, you'd be able to see him. Okay. This is why I'm worried. If a predator shows up, you're going to have no idea what to do. It's a good thing you have me.
1: Well, I don't need you any paint. (laughs) Spike's at home watching TV. He's about to have a snack when his door opens on its own. Does TV shuts off? He suspects it's a ghost, but it seems like a horny ghost.
0: A lot of them are. Remember where the wild things are? Yes. Those weren't ghosts. You're right. You're right.
1: He gets tossed against the wall. His shirt gets ripped open. He figures out it's Buffy. She's like, I told you to just stop trying to see me. She did. She did say that in the beginning. He figures out it's Buffy because she starts doing things to him. Anya has figured out where to put DeHoffren, but it's going to involve moving Uncle Rory.
0: And Aunt Lorelai. <laughs>
1: yep. Amy just based <laughs> the entire character of Rory off this one mention of Xander's uncle.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe we'll see him again. I don't think we do. I I don't think we do. Do
1: we see the wedding? I guess you can't answer that.
0: I cannot answer that.
1: She also figures out that the traffic cone that they brought back from the incident is sort of melting. She touches it and has what she describes as an unpleasant tactile experience. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's basically like melting, like it's losing its structural integrity over time.
0: Yeah, it's breaking down.
1: They're like, shit, we need to find Buffy. This meltiness is probably going to happen to her, too.
0: Then Anya's like, quick, Xander, what did Buffy's boobs feel like? What was the tactile experience?
1: (laughs) Warren has also put this together. The trio has all kinds of problems. Their invisible rays in bad shape. Their plans to look at naked women are ruined. The Slayer is invisible, and she's also going to fade away due to the large dose of radiation that hit her when the gun overloaded.
0: I've said this before, but it's like a running joke that these guys are, like, desperate for porn. But, like, porn is not difficult to find on the internet. Even back when this was on, it was not hard to find.
1: Especially when Warren seems, like, a genius.
0: And also, I need to look at naked women. No, just ask Warren to make you a woman. Like, yes. you're set.
1: You have the money now. Warren can make you each a woman.
0: Any woman. Pick a famous woman. <laughs> like, can you make me uh Mela please? I'm not, got, okay, the audience, I'm not condoning that, but they're villains. And I'm just saying, if they're going to be doing these anyway.
1: That's better than them going to the bikini wax shop. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, so they've shot Buffy with a bunch of radiation. She's going to melt away. Her cells are going to mutate and her molecular makeup is going to lose its integrity. Is this different than, like, what happened at Chernobyl? Because that's real bad. This just seems like you're going to sort of pleasantly melt into an ooze.
0: What do you mean pleasantly? I don't think it's going to feel good.
1: How come Buffy hasn't started melting yet? The cone had melted immediately.
0: There's not really a good justification for that. You think you could argue is that like maybe she like heals faster at least since she's keeping up with it, the cell divisions right now, because she's got Slayer supernatural abilities.
1: Well, Lauren's fine with her melting. They're supposed to be villains after all. But Jonathan and Andrew don't want Buffy to die. Jonathan's like, we're not killers, we're crime lords. He demands that Warren fix the gun, and they go fix Buffy. He's like, sure, whatever you say, Shorty. But he doesn't seem very convincing. Xander goes to Spike's house, where, like Lorelai, just walks right into someone's bedroom. And we see Spike clearly having sex with no one that we could see.
0: Yeah, with an invisible Buffy.
1: Xander's like, what are you doing? And Spike lies and says he's exercising, and he starts doing push-ups. You could hear Buffy, like, gasping, because she's being push-upped on top of. Mm Mm-hmm. No, exercising in bed with a sheet covering up his butt. (laughs) It's just, it's so funny when TV sex, where they have like a sheet pulled up over them.
0: Does anyone do this? Does anyone pull a sheet over yourselves when you have sex? Maybe we have sex too lewdly. Maybe we need to cover up. (laughs) When we have sex, we should cover up like Spike if he's going outside to the daylight.
1: (laughs) It's just also funny to think that if he was exercising, he would crawl into bed, cover
0: up. Yeah, vampires do weird exercises. I know Xander's supposed to be dumb, but like, come on.
1: Xander definitely thinks it's weird that he's exercising in bed, but somehow does not put together what's happening here.
0: They set up that he thinks that the idea of Buffy sleeping with Spike is crazy.
1: Yes. To be fair, in this episode, he walked in on them in a very compromising position and suspected nothing. He has no idea what's been going on. So it's just like not even on his radar that Buffy would be having sex with Spike. But it looked like Spike was having sex. Yeah. And he knows Buffy's invisible. This sounds terrible, but he should maybe suspect Spike is, like, taking advantage of Buffy.
0: Right, at the very least.
1: You can, like, hear her also moaning and stuff. This isn't subtle. Spike's, like, slapping her away. (laughs) I get why he wouldn't suspect if he didn't know that Buffy was invisible, but he does know that. He leaves, eventually. He probably
0: thinks it's just a horny ghost.
1: Maybe. Buffy's enjoying the freedom of being invisible. But Spike's a little peeved because she's kind of behaving differently because of it. Like, she's kind of acting into him, I think, because she can get away with it. Yeah. But he knows her friends are going to, like, figure out how to bring her back eventually and things will go back to the way they were. He tells her to leave, but I think she starts blowing him again. He's like, well, that's cheating. That's funny. He does kick her out eventually, though, because she's, like, walking home upset. You see her, like, kicking a Coke can down the street. Yeah. She goes home. She's going through the fridge. Dawn comes in. And Buffy's trying to, like, impress Dawn with her invisibleness by making the pizza box float. Dawn hates everything now, especially <laughs> Buffy. And She, she just Stop isn't that. amused by this. She's annoyed that Buffy's not even trying to figure out how to fix this. I don't like that you're invisible. I can't talk to you.
0: You smell like Spike.
1: <laughs> and I get her point. She is right that Buffy isn't treating this very seriously. But she talked to Buffy for, like, two seconds. She kind of jumps to some conclusions. So Dawn storms off, Buffy plays a message from Xander on the answering machine, confirming that this invisibility will likely make her dissolve into nothing.
0: And also, Chris has some news for her. Yes.
1: Willow's working on a giant public computer at the coffee shop, slamming water, searching the DMV database. I don't know why she wouldn't just, like, hack at home on her own computer. It seems weird to do this on, like, a public computer. Yeah. She's about to use magic to make the hack go faster. But I think she stops herself. Like she raises her hand to like do something, but I think it finishes just in time. But there's like this little magic twinkle sound. I think the idea was that she was about to, but didn't need to. So the DMV website gives her the information she needs to find the van at Warren's house. No one appears to be home. So she heads down to the basement. She sees the plans for their invisibility gun. She finds the gun itself, but they are there. They've turned themselves invisible. They like tape her up. Buffy's about to head out to find Xander when she gets a phone call from a familiar-sounding voice. Jonathan says that they have Willow held hostage at an arcade. Buffy goes there. All the guys are there, invisible. Willow tells Buffy she thinks there's three of them, and she suspects they're the guys from the van that was stalking her. They tell her she's fading away, which she knows, and they plan on making her visible. Warren tells her to hold up an air hockey thing so he knows where to shoot, but then Willow, who studied the gun for like ten seconds, notices that the gun is on the wrong setting. It's actually set yeah. to kill her, make her dissolve right. even faster.
0: It says it right there, and it's a, it's a lot of text on that gun.
1: <laughs> so Warren's trying to kill Buffy.
0: And this is not the first time. He has made it clear he wants to kill Buffy, even though he's told the rest of his crew that he's not going to kill Buffy.
1: Yeah. He knocks Willow out. The whole invisible fight ensues. Buffy starts to recognize Jonathan's voice. Willow eventually finds the gun and has seen a bunch of stuff that they've bumped into during the fight. Like somebody hit a pinball machine, somebody fell into the ball pit. So she's got an idea of where they are and she shoots them all and makes them all visible again. So they can see these guys now. It's kind of a funny bit where Buffy and Willow try to figure out who Andrew is. Yeah. They don't seem to remember that he made flying monkeys happen at the school play. And then the other two are like, he's Tucker's brother. And they're
0: like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, Tucker.
1: They let her know that they're her arch nemesis, and they're like, well, we'll get you next time, Buffy. And then Jonathan like throws a smoke bomb, which covers them for a bit, but the door that they try to go out is locked. So they're just still there when the smoke bomb goes away. He's like, yeah, you guys are real tough. But then a security guard shows up asking what's going on, briefly distracting Buffy and Willow long enough for the guys to figure out how to unlock the door, I guess.
0: Yeah, he shows up. He's like, I heard there's some ghosts fighting back here. <laughs> and word on the street is that ghosts will give you blowies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Willow's like, oh, my God. Buffy's like, I know. They're gone. I guess we should chase them. She's like, no, your hair. It's adorable. It's adorable.
0: It is dumb that they don't chase them. I guess they don't see them as a threat, but, like, they should.
1: I guess at this point, maybe they're too far gone, but I
0: don't know. They could try a little. Now, Buffy has got Slayer speed, and there's three of them. I mean, maybe Jonathan could do a spell or something outside.
1: So Buffy and Willow go outside. They have a little chat. Willow's exhausted from getting through a day without magic. But Buffy's pretty impressed that she found the van and did all this detective work without using her powers. Buffy says when she got Xander's message that she was fading away, she got scared, which is a big deal, because not too long ago, she would have been kind of fine with that. And even though things are pretty tough for her still, she doesn't want to die anymore. So they both agree they made good progress today. And it's kind of nice how their relationship is growing through this hardship. Yeah. It's also kind of cool to see Willow problem solve without magic. Yeah. So yeah, that's the episode. Do you think it was a good one?
0: Um, no, it's, I don't think it was a great one. But it did have some really fun stuff in it. I agree. The Spike stuff was funny. I think Xander not recognizing it was Buffy or worrying that Buffy is being taken advantage of is insane. And I really just hate the trio. I hate, like, everything. I just don't find them fun when they're on screen. But, um... There was some stuff I liked. I liked some of the visual stuff they did. I know you had some issues with it, but I liked some of the green screen stuff they did with Buffy. I liked her kicking the can down the street. I thought that was all kind of fun.
1: No, I I liked most of it. I thought a lot of it was really well done. Them, like, showing where she was. They did it in really clever ways. Like, when she's kicking the can and when she comes in the kitchen, they did a really good job of, like, framing the shots and, like, showing us where she was and moving through space.
0: Right. Even though you can't see her, yeah.
1: I didn't like the fight at the end. I think that was like hard to follow. And there was just like Mm -hmm. shots of blank walls where someone was. I think because there were four of them, it was just a Mm -hmm. little bit harder to like track the motion. And I don't know, it just kind of became listening and like figuring out who was talking and where they were. Yeah. Which, I mean, I guess that's how it would be from like Willow's perspective. But since we're not in the space, we also can't hear where their sound is coming from.
0: Yeah. So it's just
1: a little hard to follow. I, I didn't think that was as well done as other times in the episode.
0: There's other stuff that was good though. Like I, I thought it was all so funny. The stuff at the social service office was funny. That woman giving her comeuppance.
1: But did Even she though, deserve that? She did, did she just deserve it? Her is the
0: question. Yeah.
1: I get that we don't want to see Dawn taken away. Well, maybe Dawn's a lot this episode. But
0: yeah, I mean, honestly, it's like, can we take Dawn away, we'll just check in with her every season, make sure she's all right. Can the monks have her back now? That would be hilarious. Can we recycle her? Buffy's just <laughs> returning her to the mind. Recycle her? <laughs> just shoot her with the invisible ray. It'd be fine. There's something about this that it's almost like a, you know, like trying to solve a mystery together and it's fun watching Willow do it. But like, I just feel like something wasn't firing in all cylinders. Does that make sense? Like something wasn't working perfectly for me. And I know that's vague, but.
1: Willow mostly did it by herself, which was kind of cool. But like there's yeah. no reason she couldn't have been working with Xander a bit more. Or Anya, yeah. Xander and Anya were kind of doing their own thing.
0: So which one do we think was better?
1: I think it's Gilmore Girls.
0: Yeah, I think it's Gilmore Girls too. It just had more emotional resonance with me.
1: Yeah, it wasn't like the greatest Gilmore Girls ever, but I don't I couldn't find much fault with it. Yeah, you can say what you want about this April storyline, but I i don't think anything in this episode was like bad scene by right. scene. Like I, yeah. I thought the scene with Luke and Anna was well done.
0: Yeah, as per usual, this wasn't like a blowing Buffy out of the water kind of thing, but it was um, I think I think i liked Gilmore more this time. Yeah. But season six of Buffy is just super depressing and like, I don't know, it's like a weird jump in tones because in Buffy it's like, oh, I'm messing with the social services lady. It's really fun. But also like, I want to be dead. Yeah. Yeah. And Willow's every moment is torture because she wants to do magic drugs. So it's like, I don't know.
1: Yeah, it was sort of like a goofy episode handling their, like, really dark problems.
0: And her toxic relationship with Spike, that she, like, wants to be with Spike because it makes her feel good and stuff, but, like, also she's ashamed of it.
1: Buffy's, like, almost more toxic than Spike.
0: If Spike were a murderer, I'd agree with you.
1: Yeah, but she's the one that's, like, using him.
0: No, she's definitely using him, but, again, he's a murderer, sort of, like... (laughs) I just have no sympathy for Spike, and I know, yes, if we're just talking about the relationship, she is 100% using him, but... He's also very aggressive.
1: They do a good job justifying why she's doing it as well.
0: Yeah. Well, guys, if you want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Bubba the Vampire Slayer Season 6, Episode 12, Double Meat Palace.
1: As well as Gilmore Girls Season 6, Episode 12, just like Gwen and Gavin.
0: In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. What did you think of Roy's crying?
1: What would you do if you were invisible in Sunnydale?
0: What would your safe word be if you're fighting your girlfriend?
1: Did you like Buffy's haircut? Who
0: is Andrew?
1: Let us know. You can reach out by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post interactive questions, comedy sketches based on each episode, and more.
0: Or you can send us an email to brianandstacereviews at gmail.com. That's Brian with a Y and Stacey the an EY.
1: For more bonus content, find us on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Stacy, where we post weekly video recaps of the show Angel, host monthly live-streamed watch parties of Buffy and Gilmore Girls, post-monthly podcast outtakes, and share early extended episode previews. And shout out to our new Patreon subscriber, Emmeline
0: Edie. Thank you. And for more non-podcast content, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy.
1: Where you can check out that music video. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so by making a donation of your choosing via the link found at the bottom of our episode description or in our social media bios.
0: And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and we'll give you a shout-out in an upcoming podcast.
1: All right. I'm going to get out the fighting pads.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm going to get out Grammy's boots. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I'll get out the spray paint. And we're going to figure out something with all of that.
0: Yeah, it's going to be gross, but we're going to figure it out.
1: We're going to go to the 80s, we're going to fight, and we're going to paint each
0: other pretty. Yeah, now cover up all the windows. Bye!